0: This is the Ultra Running History Podcast. I'm your host, Davey Crockett. Thanks. Thanks for coming. This is episode 139, the 10th part of the Grand Canyon Rim-to-Rim Series to enhance your next Grand Canyon run. Grand Canyon.
1: Grand Canyon. Grand Canyon. Grand Canyon. Canyon.
0: I recently published my book, Grand Canyon Rim-to-Rim History, which included many newly discovered stories that I had not previously included in this podcast. So in this episode, I will revisit the years between 1927 to 1949, through the Great Depression and the war years, and share what was happening in the Inner Canyon. Connect with history this October. Come run my 50 or 100 mile race on the historic Pony Express Trail in the West Desert of Utah. Run in the hoofprints of history, in the true wild west and come meet me. Go to PonyExpress100.org and run on October 20th, 2023.
1: Mm -hmm. Run, come see what this river has done. Carve the walls of Grand Canyon with the colors of the rising sun.
0: By 1927, Phantom Ranch was well-established at the bottom of the Grand Canyon. The new South Kaibab Trail was complete, and the Black Bridge was nearing completion. On the north side, the North Kaibab Trail up Roaring Springs Canyon was also nearing completion, which would make the rim-to-rim hiking experience much easier instead of using the old Bright Angel Trail that went steeply up to the north rim. In 1927, construction began on a large hotel and related facilities on the North Rim. The National Park
1: said, This will contain large lounging rooms, recreation hall, dining room that will seat 200 persons, kitchen with cold storage plant, shower, bath, and accessories. 62 two-room guest lodges of log construction will be provided.
0: The Grand Canyon Lodge, finished in 1928, became a special place to escape the summer heat in the days before air conditioning. It was designed by architect Gilbert Underwood with a Spanish-style exterior and an observation tower. On the top floor, employees stayed in a dorm. Underwood also designed the original lodges at Bryce Canyon and Cedar Brakes. In 1930. The new National Park Service Director Horace Albright said,
1: The Grand Canyon Lodge, including the housekeeping units, employees' quarters, and other facilities, is the finest tourist development in the national park system. The availability of water through the hydroelectric power and pumping plant constructed at Roaring Springs is an outstanding factor in the general development.
0: The help at the lodge were young men and women, from colleges recommended by their faculty.
1: The students did all the work, acting as clerks, porters, chambermaids, waiters and waitresses, chauffeurs and guides. They acted also as entertainers capable of putting on a musical or literary program of good quality. Moreover, they had to be young people of good moral character, sober and industrious.
0: On October 6, 1929, a great program was put on at the Lodge for editors who had gathered for a conference.
1: These young people put on a program in the presence of at least 500 guests that for excellence we have not seen surpassed in a long time. The leader and director of the affair was a young girl, not over 18 years of age, a student employee of the Lodge, and a waitress in the dining room. One feature of the program was her leading the entire audience, guests and all, in the singing of old folk songs.
0: On September 1, 1932, at about 4 a.m., a kitchen fire broke out in the Grand Canyon Lodge on the North Rim. As John Richards, the chief's chef, was preparing breakfast for the employees, sparks flew and a blaze started. He quickly sounded the alarm. Twenty girls from Provo, Utah, employed as waitresses, fled their dormitory on the second floor.
1: The guests in the adjoining cabins were aroused and many volunteered in preventing the spread of the flames to the more than 100 cabins situated around the central lodge. The flames spread so rapidly that it was impossible to save the personal effects of the employees and the rich furnishings in the building.
0: Within an hour and a half after the fire was discovered, the lodge was a raging inferno. Some wet blankets draped over nearby cabins prevented the fire from spreading. The blaze left the famed lodge a, quote, smoldering mass of charred logs and cracked masonry. The loss, including a curio shop, cafeteria, amusement hall, park offices, and a post office was estimated to be valued at a half a million dollars. A redesigned lodge using the original stonework was rebuilt in 1936 that was better adapted to the winter snow with steeply pitched roofs. There is a deep cave where Roaring Springs pours out of the canyon side on the north side of Roaring Springs Canyon with a clear view of the entrance from the North Kaibab Trail. The cave was first discovered in 1928 by workmen employed to build the Grand Canyon Lodge. Three men explored with gas lanterns. They said, We spent four hours in the cave and went back about two miles. There is a regular labyrinth of tunnels in there and we didn't try to explore all of them. They saw many tunnels with rivers flowing through them. Finally, we came to a big room floored entirely by the river and we couldn't go any further without a boat. In 1935 the cave was explored again. Three men went into the cave and discovered that its depth was about one and a quarter mile and then was blocked by rock and dirt from an ancient cave-in.
1: The party made its way back into the cave with the aid of flashlights and gasoline lanterns. The course of the cave follows along what appears to be an old earthquake fault. Large stalactites and stalagmites, clusters of calcite crystals, and shallow pools of water were found. At one point, the explorers found one side cavern of such considerable length. No very large rooms were discovered, though the cave was easily negotiable throughout the entire length examined. With proper equipment and guidance, park visitors to the Roaring Springs region could easily be afforded an opportunity to experience the thrill of subterranean exploration of this cave.
0: Today the cave entrance is gated and locked. As the Black Bridge neared completion in 1928, two congressmen were riding up Bright Angel Trail with Park Superintendent Minor Tillotson, returning from a four-day double crossing. The legislators were Samuel Arendt of Nevada and Stuart Appleby of New Jersey.
1: Just below Indian Garden, the party came suddenly upon a fire caused, presumably, by smokers in a trail party, which had passed a few minutes previously. Congressman Arendt happened to be about 100 yards in the lead and found the fire burning fiercely and spreading rapidly in the dry brush. He immediately started fighting it with his bare hands and succeeded in holding the flames in check until the other two hastily arrived to assist in beating out the fire.
0: Congressman Arens came away with singed eyebrows and torn and burned clothing. The last major construction project to make one-way, rim-to-rim travel conveniently possible was the completion of the Navajo Bridge, in 1928 over the Colorado River in Marble Canyon. As more and more automobiles were being used, it was a major journey to drive from the South Rim to the North Rim, going over a thousand miles around through Nevada, or using the small, unreliable ferry, at Lee's Ferry, five miles upriver from the new bridge site. The ferry operated transporting thousands of hikers, horses, wagons, and even small automobiles across the river. The most convenient way to travel between the rims, but most costly, was to go by small plane from the Grand Canyon Village to Kanab, Utah, and then take a bus to the North Rim. With the new bridge, rim-to-rim hikers could now be picked up by automobiles on the other side of the canyon. Construction started on the bridge on June thirtieth, 1927, and finished in October 1928. It was 835 feet long and 467 feet above the river. Travelers could now drive across the river, drive on the road to Jacob Lake, and then to the North Rim, a drive of about 220 miles rim-to-rim. The bridge was dedicated on June 15, 1929 as Grand Canyon Bridge. Four governors attended, Arizona, Utah, Nevada, and New Mexico, along with 8,000 people who made the trek in 2,217 cars into the remote desert. The event was produced by motion picture makers, making a talking newsreel who gave signals when to talk and when to cut the ribbon. A 1,250-gallon tanker truck from Flagstaff brought in water for the gathering. In 1934, the bridge was renamed Navajo Bridge, which was appropriate because half of the funds to build the bridge came from funds from the Bureau of Indian Affairs. The original bridge still exists today as a pedestrian bridge. It was replaced in 1995 by a new bridge that was built 150 feet downstream that could handle heavier and wider vehicles. Believe it or not, in 1933, a man rode a bicycle rim-to-rim Emile Rodney, age 21, of Elizabeth, New Jersey, was a long-distance cyclist. He had performed many rides in various places across the country. In late June, he rode to the North Rim from Kanab, Utah, and then got permission from the Park Service to ride his bike across the canyon.
1: He made the trip on his bicycle from the North Rim to the South Rim, over the famous Kaibab Trail, covering this distance in a little more than eight hours. According to the rangers at the canyon, it takes a full day to make the same trip by muleback and 12 to 14 hours on foot.
0: On August 19, 1936, a massive flash flood sent a wall of water down by Angel Creek that was said to be up to 16 feet high through the box. That night, a rescue crew was sent down from the North Rim to search for park employees that had not yet arrived from Phantom Ranch. Leo Purvis, age 26, recalled, Since the cloud cover remained throughout the night, it was necessary to burn the flashlights at all times. Even though the trail was almost obliterated, there was enough evidence left to follow it. Boulders littered the trail and signs of landslides were on every hand. Every step was made with extreme caution for fear of starting another rock slide. By the time they reached Bright Angel Creek, the water had subsided, running normally. The high water had made a boulder field out of the trail area. The rescuers located the missing men at 1 a.m. on a ledge north of the box. They were in terrible shape and seriously cold, but were revived with a warm fire and emergency whiskey. A ranger in the rescue crew had sprained his ankle navigating boulders. He was brought to Phantom Ranch by 4 a.m., when the good news spread that all the men were alive, a great shout was made that woke up everyone there. Get up, Get up, the flood destroyed the water pipeline going up to the North Rim. Damages were estimated to be $50,000. Temporary water facilities were provided for the North Rim Lodge and camp. The North Kaibab Trail was closed. CCC enrollees went to work repairing the damage. During the winter on February 9, 1939, Casimir Polterac, aged 23, and his friend Paul Desjardins, aged 18, both from Detroit, Michigan, attempted to do a rim-to-river and back hike in a day using Bright Angel Trail from the South Rim. Despite being warned by rangers that bad weather was coming in, they went down, underdressed for any cold conditions. They successfully made it down to the river, On their return to Indian Garden, they were advised to stop there until the storm passed, but they refused to heed the warnings. As they were climbing back up, they were hit with one of the worst blizzards locals had remembered, which dumped two to three feet of snow on the south rim.
1: Polterac became exhausted, and his companion endeavored to carry him, but realizing the impossibility of the undertaking, suggested that they retrace their steps to Indian Garden and await more favorable weather conditions. Polterac didn't approve of the idea, and when Desjardins decided that he would return to Indian Garden, Polterac, somewhat recovered from his exhaustion, decided he would continue to the top alone.
0: Desjardins walked only a short way down until he was exhausted and took refuge by climbing into the rafters of one of the rest houses to get out of the wind. He did not realize that there was a phone in that location where he could have called for help. The next day, Wilbur Wright and his wife descended on mules. They found Polterac dead in a snowdrift with his legs sticking out. Des Jardins was found in the rafters of the rest house in critical condition. He was brought back up on the back of a mule and was so badly affected that he could not talk. His feet were terribly frostbitten but were saved, although he lost one toe. A 1938 article in the Los Angeles Times mentioned a rim-to-rim fastest known time, or FKT, set by Samuel Holt. He was originally from Illinois, a Purdue man, and had run from the North Rim to the South Rim with a time of 4 hours 18 minutes. He had been a construction worker at the North Rim. That time was recognized until it was broken 25 years later. On May 12, 1940, 25 racing carrier pigeons were released from Phantom Ranch to attempt a 125-mile flight back to their lofts in Prescott, Arizona. This was a legitimate competition of pigeons from seven states.
1: Their trainers were confident that they would negotiate the flight successfully despite prediction by some fanciers that the mile-high walls of the gorge, the maze of the canyons, Wind currents and hawks would prove too much for them.
0: Many of the speedy birds were successful. The winner was a bird named Henry, owned by Sam Crow of Topeka, Kansas, flew to Prescott in 3 hours 23 minutes. It broke the Grand Canyon FKT for birds by 23 minutes. During the 1940s, many went to defend the country fighting in World War II. There were few daring rim-to-rim hikers during that time. Nearly all journeys across the canyon involved mule rides. It was emphasized,
1: Mule backing is recommended for all but top-conditioned hikers.
0: A few hikers made the rim-to-rim trek in multiple days, and newspapers would make a big deal out of it. In 1941, R. L. Fry and his eldest son, Bobby, hiked rim-to-rim starting at the North Rim and indulged in a little fishing on the way in Bright Angel Creek. They took a day and a half. Tourists on the Rim would gawk at the unusual hikers who came out of the canyon by foot. One hiker wrote in 1941, Arrived at the top to the amusement and amazement of visitors who had been following our progress with interest." and roamed around us as we rested, snapping pictures as if we were a newly discovered Indian tribe or something. The first death of a hiker falling off Bright Angel Trail occurred on August 4, 1940, when Mary Jane Johnson, age 17, a Canyon employee and high school student from Glendale, Arizona, did a scramble off the trail while chatting over to a friend still on the trail, and failed to jump to another ledge falling 180 feet.
1: We spent the night down in the canyon at the lovely Phantom Ranch. The river is a dream,
0: the sky's and vast. By 1941, Phantom Ranch was well established and popular. For more than a decade, the Arizona State Teachers College at Flagstaff, Arizona, had a hiking club that would descend into the canyon regularly. One student shared their experience camping along Bright Angel Creek near Phantom Ranch. Some of the more rugged members of our group went swimming at Phantom Ranch swimming pool while supper was cooking. After supper, we went over to the ranch and sat around loafing and listening to the cowboys. I don't think they were real. The next day, we all went river crazy and spent most of the day on the Colorado River swimming, sunning, and fishing. There were lots of channel catfish and we caught enough for supper. We went to Phantom Ranch again that night. Their hospitality is marvelous. We indulged in pocket pool, talking, and stuff. In 1942, extensive repairs were made to the buildings and sewer lines at the ranch. All the cabins had air conditioners installed to pamper the guests during the hot summer months. With the end of World War II in 1945, the next year, in 1946, the Grand Canyon received more visitors than any year before as people started to travel again. Rim-to-rim travel started up again.
1: Spring has come to Phantom Ranch at the bottom of the canyon. Meal parties reaching the ranch daily report that apricot and cherries are in blossom. The cottonwoods are in full leaf. The mule trips to the river and to Phantom Ranch are increasingly popular.
0: A small peach orchard at Phantom Ranch was now over 20 years old. Hikers passing through would at times snatch one or two of the delicious fruit. In 1947, a tourist from Ohio felt guilty about his thievery and mailed in five dimes to the Grand Canyon Ranger Station. A letter was enclosed that read, I am enclosing 50 cents in coins for peaches I ate from the orchard on the floor of the canyon several years ago. I wish to express my regrets, but at that time I didn't consider it wrong. Easter weekend started to be a traditional popular weekend to hike down into the Grand Canyon. In 1948, a large group of nearly 100 members of the Sierra Club made their way down to Phantom Ranch. Mule Skinner, or guide, Dean Clevenger, was a colorful character. When the Kolb Studio would snap pictures of the mule train at the top of Bright Angel Trail, he would tell his worried clients that the photos were for identifying the bodies. (gasps) Frequently, hikers going down to the river and back admitted that they could not climb back out and asked for a mule ride. Guides would poke fun at these, quote, drag outs. During the 1940s, three women hiked down wearing tennis shoes and developed terrible blisters. They planned to stay overnight at Phantom Ranch and wanted a mule ride back up. Clevenger said, Tell you what! I'll feed them mules plenty of soft hay tonight, so they'll be nice and soft for the ride tomorrow. Of course, we got nothing left but blind mules, but them mules hear real good. The next day the women were worried that the mules would go off the trail. Clevenger yelled, Mules and horses don't never commit suicide. We ain't going off into the river if he shove us with a bulldozer. He asked the ladies, any of you girls rich widows? But remembered. Nah, I saw your ugly husbands. The tennis-shoed husbands had elected to hike back up. A fierce thunderstorm on September 30th, 1946, dumped one and a half inches of rain within a short period on the south rim. Water was running in a river at Indian Garden. The Bright Angel Trail was seriously damaged and closed for a week to make repairs. 1948 was a low snow year for the North Rim. Rangers were able to easily conduct a rim-to-rim journey in late January on mules, and the North Kaibab Trail was free of snow. Peach trees at Phantom Ranch were blossoming in March. On August 5, 1948, heavy rains caused flooding down Roaring Springs Canyon and Bright Angel Creek. It knocked out the power and water plant down at Roaring Springs, which caused the North Rim Lodge and cafeteria to be shut down.
1: Severe damage to Kaibab Trail was reported.
0: About 120 feet of water pipe going up to the North Rim was washed out. Water for the lodge had to be hauled in 40 miles until repairs could be completed. About two miles of the North Kaibab Trail had been washed out. The campground at Phantom Ranch sustained a lot of damage. Footbridges and water pipes were washed out. The flood washed out about 240 feet of the wooden trough that brought water from Bright Angel Creek to the power plant at Roaring Springs. Twenty men working 72 hours straight were able to repair the water and power facility, allowing the North Rim Lodge to function again. Plans were soon put in place to use a diesel engine to power the water pumps instead of the fragile hydroelectric setup at Roaring Springs. 1949 was a record year for snow at the Grand Canyon. By February, 78 inches of snow had fallen on the south rim. Eight inches of snow had been seen at Cottonwood Campground on Bright Angel Creek, something entirely unheard of in the past. A trail crew, trying to keep the trails open, was trapped down in the canyon for several days. In August 1949, hikers were issued cautions after a large rock fall narrowly missed a mule party of eight going up Bright Angel Trail, throwing two people off their mules, uninjured but badly frightened. On July 28, 1949, two young men, employed by the Utah Parks Company, connected with history, when they went down Old Bright Angel Trail on the North Rim, which had not been used for more than 20 years. They made it down about four miles, went off trail, and then Irvin Bird, age 19, of Tooele, Utah, fell and was severely stabbed in the leg by a sharp spine of a agave plant. Ouch. <laughs> His companion, Donald Van Steeder of Salt Lake City, went down to the Roaring Springs Power Plant and used the telephone to call for help. A ranger party with a mule rescued the embarrassed young man. In 1949, Harry E. Brown, a file control employee for the park, ran what is believed to be the first double crossing in less than 24 hours. Brown was a World War II veteran who served in China. In 1950, he went on to be employed by the Forest Service near Fraser, Colorado, and then returned to duty as an officer in the Marine Corps in 1953, where he volunteered for cold-weather combat training in the Sierra Mountains of California. Stay tuned for more Grand Canyon Rim-to-Rim History. I'll be home. With that, this is Davey Crockett, and this is the Ultra Running History Podcast. I hope you run fast and far, enjoy life, get outdoors, and most of all, stay safe and don't take unnecessary chances.